Good morning. You know, a couple of years ago, my husband and I had friends over for Thanksgiving, back when we could have friends over for Thanksgiving. It's one of the things I like about the Thanksgiving holiday. It's not always the same group of people for us. Uh, one Thanksgiving growing up, my extended family in Albany, one of my uncles picked up a hitchhiker, and we had Thanksgiving with a, a hitchhiker. One of our friends, uh, family friends, they always invite international students over from the college. The college randomly assigns uh, international students who have nowhere else to go. And so they get an interesting conversation with people from other countries and cultures who will never meet again. But for, for us, a couple years ago uh, in Connecticut, we had these friends over, really enjoy them. Uh, they couldn't make it back to California to have Thanksgiving with their families. So they, they did the meal with us. And of course, you know, I tried my best with the turkey. It's not the, the center of my culinary talents. Um, and I've got certain side dishes I really like, the mac and cheese, the, the, the greens. Um, I think I prepared a great meal. We had a good time together with them. Um, my friend, she talked a lot about her family, what they did for Thanksgiving, um, describing the great uh, um, meals, the great um, dishes that her family made. And on probably the third or fourth culinary masterpiece she described, I started to feel a little hmm, something. And as I washed dishes later that afternoon, I realized what that feeling was. It was offense. Now, my, my friend wasn't doing anything wrong. You know, she was no insults, very, very pleasant. She was reminiscing about family and traditions she probably just missed. But, you know, in my mind, I had this idea of me and, and my, my cooking and uh, as kind of my own culinary masterpieces. And she just wasn't quite playing into my mental script, how I wished, how, how I wanted I don't think that I'm easily offended or, or certainly frequently offended, but when I am, oh, well, look, there it is. Someone didn't like my idea, didn't validate me how I thought they would, grouped me in a group that I didn't think I belonged to or, or left me out of a grouping that, that I wished I belonged to. You know, I why, why was I not invited? How do they really see me? How could they think I was wrong about that? especially with everything that is going on right now, it is easy to get offended. And being offended just sucks the life and joy out of us. Being offended is nothing new. We can go back to the very, very beginning of the Bible to see how some of these dynamics played out. So we're going to look at Genesis chapter 4. And then God has some good, helpful things to say to us about what it means to be offended, how we can get over it, and how we can live in unity and, and harmony with one another to enjoy life and enjoy each other more. Let's pray together before we turn to Scripture. And Jesus, this morning, uh, we come before you, Jesus, and we want your thoughts and your feelings to be our thoughts and our feelings, Jesus. Would your love and your approval be the measuring line in our lives, deep down in our souls, coming up into our hearts and our minds, flowing out in how we speak to and interact with others? Jesus, we receive your love and your grace over our lives this morning. And we ask, Jesus, that you would speak to us in your word, Jesus. Would you touch us and change us? We value your scripture and your word to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.
All right, so looking at Genesis, uh, I told you the very, very beginning of the Bible. You'll find it right there, Genesis chapter 4. Now Adam and his wife Eve became pregnant. Uh, this is starting in uh, verse 1. And she gave birth to Cain, and she said, With the Lord's help I have produced a man. Later she gave birth to his brother and named him Abel. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lamb from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift. He did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry and he looked dejected. Now, quick pause here. Do you feel like God is being unfair to Cain? I mean, Cain gives him a gift. It might not be the best gift, but like, you know, why is he playing favorites? I want you to bookmark that. If you feel that way. Why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? Will you not be accepted if you do what's right? But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. One day Cain suggested to his brother, hey, let's go out into the fields. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and ended up killing him. Afterwards, the Lord asked Cain, where's your brother? Where's Abel? I don't know, Cain responded. Am I my brother's guardian? Am I my brother's keeper? Like, ugh, how am I supposed to know this? Like, get, get, get off of me, God. But the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are cursed and banished from this ground which has swallowed your brother's blood. No longer will the ground yield good crops from you. No matter how hard you work from now on, you will be a homeless wanderer on the earth. Cain replied to the Lord, My punishment is too great for me to bear. Hold on, dude. You killed your own brother. Like, your own brother. Um, but he says, this punishment is too great for me. You have banished me from your land and from your presence. You have made me a homeless wanderer. Anyone who finds me will kill me. The Lord replied, no, for I will give a sevenfold punishment to anyone who kills you. So the Lord put a mark on Cain to protect him, to warn anyone who might try to kill him. So Cain left the Lord's presence. He settled uh, in the community of the land of Nod with some other folks east of Eden. Um, and there he lived out the rest of his natural days. Well, the name Cain means to get, possess, claim. He's the firstborn. He's a taker. Uh, the name Abel means a breath or, or a vapor. It's a pretty ominous foreshadowing of what will be of his life. Cain comes up to the altar with some of the fruits. It's kind of like he's like, mm, let, let me get you a gift, God. What can I? Mm, oh, here, this will do. Abel, by, by contrast, gets the best of the firstborn fatted a lamb. He, he brings a really good offering. God calls Cain and gives him an opportunity to redo, an opportunity for growth, to, to be better. You know, Cain, you just want to redo this part of the quiz. Like, look this over. You'll get an A if you do. He does not. He does not want to improve. He does not want to be better. Instead, he lets offense consume him and eat at his subconscious, and then it spills over in really irrational violence. Cain did not believe 
in the goodness of God. Uh, God says to him, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? Don't I love you just as much? Can't we make this better? And Cain says, no, no, we can't. Uh, he did not have a growth mindset. He was hurt. He was offended. Um, he said, I did not get the recognition that I wanted. Me, Cain, the firstborn, the taker, the possessor. I don't trust you to love and accept me. I must fight for myself, stand up for myself, not not redo my, my gift, not, not receive the gift of your acceptance. And even in punishment, this guy responds with a self-centered response. You know, I messed up and now I have to pay for it. You know, woe is me. Self-pity and self-absorption instead of with repentance. If he had repented, I mean, God told him, if you uh, redo your gift, I'll accept it. Maybe he would have accepted his repentance too. But Cain did not want any of that, even in the face of his uh, self-centeredness and, and terrible attitude, though, God has grace. God protected him. God, God gives him some sort of a, a covering, a, a face tattoo, seal, whatever it is, marks and blesses him and promises that no one will harm him as, as he leaves and, and goes out for his, uh, his consequence. And this honestly is the big point of the story. God provides. God, God has grace. God keeps on giving. Cain took. God gave. Cain took. God gave. Cain took. He demanded. He wanted. It was about him, him himself, the firstborn. God encouraged, counseled, protected. God's protective grace is really the, the end of this story. Cain rejected it. He, he tied a leaden weight of himself around his neck, me, my rights, my rightness, my, my image, my respect, instead of living in the land of God's grace and acceptance and forgiveness. And for us too, if we can live in God's grace, we will also live in peace and harmony with our brothers and sisters. If we receive grace, we won't take offense so easily. We'll live in unity and harmony with one another. Because God is acceptance and, and grace. And acceptance is the antidote to offense. Grace is free. Acceptance is for everyone. Grace loves me and loves others. Now, this isn't to be confused with standing up against legitimate hurt and oppression and injustice. The Bible tells us to do that, to stand up for the marginalized, the, those who are suffering under injustice. And, you know, we don't want to enable sin in others. If people are being offensive or, or insulting, we don't want to roll out the red carpet and be like, no, no, just keep doing it. That's, you know, enabling bad things, and that's not a helpful Christian uh, community. We are supposed to stand up for others and supposed to stand up for ourselves. And here's, here's how I kind of think of it. And others, you know, may have thought about this in, in different ways or, or better ways. But I think of a, um, abuse as anything that tears down who we are as humans created in God's image. You know, racial stereotypes, um, devaluing the worth of people, harmful and hurtful ideas that limit the, the potential of people to develop and flourish how God created them. Anything that devalues our worth as human beings, that's abuse. Now, insult tears down who we are as individuals, our unique capacities, gifting, skills, what we do. 
um, can be insulted, when we re disrespect or, or devalue the contributions of, of people, that's insulting and not good, right? And then offense. Offense tears down our preferred ideas about ourselves. So there's, uh, there's our human worth, our individual skills and talents, and then there's our preferred ideas about ourselves. Cain was offended when God suggested that he tr try again. He liked to think that he got everything right the first time. Offense is not defending over uh, against abuse, to standing up for good causes, noble and good causes that we should have some righteous anger about. Offense occurs when we try to protect our idea of ourselves. In the book, Thanks for the Feedback, um, they, they call it an identity trigger. Um, is the feedback challenges the ideas that we hold about ourselves. It's possible that this will be kind of destabilizing for us. We can lash out against feedback that kind of comes against our ideas of ourselves. This book says whether we have a, a fixed mentality or a growth mentality really determines how we, we take feedback on an identity level. I really like the book, uh, Thanks for the Feedback. It's um, been helpful to me to think about how I personally take feedback myself. So they call it an identity trigger. I call it my shiny self, my Instagram self, my uh, go out, get yourself together self. It's who I like to be. And our shiny selves take a lot of work to maintain. Your, what's your public self? What do you like people to think about you? It is a lot of work to maintain sometimes. Some of us have a hard-working, competent, shiny self. So good at stuff, you know, not marred by failure, and it's important to that others see us as not failing. Some of us have intelligent, reasonable, thoughtful, projected selves. Pretty much, you know, careful, thinking things through. Uh, so if somebody gives you a look like, hmm, that was a dumb idea, you might get offended. Some of us have popular public selves, you know, likable, respected, never in real conflict with others. So if you suspect that someone else doesn't like you, you're offended because it comes against the idea of who you are as a person. But we all fail. We're all wrong. Nobody is liked by everyone. What image of yourself do you like to promote? Is it important to you that others uh, know what you do? Know how much you do for other people? Maybe it's important to you that people think you are strong. You got it. You're good. You know, for myself, uh, it's important to me that uh, people think that I'm competent. That I can do stuff. That, you know, success is important to me. I was raised in a home that really valued uh, correct ideas and hard work. Being busy was like a badge of honor. Like, oh, so busy, so hardworking. These are, ideas are important to me, I mean, and, and I get offended if people think, you know, oh, I'm just phoning it in, or, or I'm not, not good at stuff. These are the ideas that are just happen to be important to me. And being confronted with any, like, question mark about your preferred image of yourself, it can feel like people are defacing the promo poster of, of you, like, hey, you didn't like my, my profile picture? I chose it. I, I thought it was really good, and, and you don't even like it enough. What's up with that? You know, I met a uh, friend for brunch, again, back when we could meet up with friends for, for meals, and uh, we don't live super close together, um, so we met up at this nice little cafe and enjoyed, you know, 
It's a Saturday morning French toast. It's just great. I really like this friend. She's doing great things with her life. And um, she came in and she just looked great. She had that slept in Saturday morning energy and glow about her. She's wearing this denim jacket with a cute little blouse and matching earrings. And she's a very pretty girl uh, just all the time. But she we were just happy and relaxed and she just looked great. Um, and at some point in time, I said, you know, hey, if grad school doesn't work out, there's always modeling. She got just like a little bit of a funny look on her face. And I realized that wasn't quite the right thing uh, to say. Um, and then later we were texting and uh, it turns out that she was offended by my, my comments. I felt, I just, guys, I felt really bad because I just, I, I'm proud of what she's doing. I, I really believe in uh, what she's doing with her life. I think she's super talented. I just meant that she looked really beautiful. And then I thought, oh, I shouldn't have said that in like a negative way, the semantics on that. Like, why can't I have just said you look really nice? Not if grad school doesn't work out. Um, uh, yeah, I just, I, I felt bad. But obviously, in her preferred image of herself and how she likes people to think of her, it's a much bigger deal that people think that grad school will work out than that people think she's really beautiful. That's a more important ideal to her than uh, to the others, than, than the other part. <sighs> Anyways, I, I felt bad. So how should we handle offense? Well, first, like my friend, she should talk to me, not to other people. Uh, talk to the person, handle conflict well, bring it out into the open. Honestly, not that hard. Just be like, hey, when you said, if grad school doesn't work out, you should go into modeling like, I, I took that as kind of like, I don't know, do you think uh, grad school will work? You know, talk about it. It's not that hard. Definitely don't talk about it with somebody else. Deal with it with the, with the person. Um, that's just how the, these things get better, how we actually move forwards. I'm a mark of maturity and handling conflict well. Um, assume the best in the other person. Think about their background. Think about where they're coming from. We need to stand up for ourselves. We need to stand up for others, but we want to be very pro other people in that, assuming the best in them, being for them, even as we stand up for ourselves. And I think examining your own feelings is super important. What exactly is bothering you? I like journaling for this. Um, sometimes halfway through journaling, I realize, oh, that's really not a big deal. I can let that go. Oh, that's what's bothering me. I, I realize uh, some of these things. Let's look, as we close, at a good example with Jesus of being offended. Well, actually, in some ways, Jesus isn't the best part of this example because he says some things that are offensive and kind of wrong, but he's opening up a grace and growth path. You know, I could try and explain it for you, but let's just look at this passage together. It's Mark chapter 15, uh, verses 21 through 28. So Jesus, he leaves the Galilee, leaves Israel, goes out uh, to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And a Gentile woman who lived there came to him pleading, saying to him, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, for my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. She had some really uh, big issues that she needed dealing with. But Jesus gave her no reply, not even a word. Then his disciples urged him to just send her away, tell her to go away. They said she's bothering us with all her begging. Jesus said to the woman, I was sent only to help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. You know, we'll see this opening up. Uh, Israel becomes the church, but 
Jesus at that point in time, especially he was a Jewish rabbi in Israel. She came and worshiped him, pleading again. Right? That didn't deter her. She She pleaded again, Lord, help me. Jesus responded, it isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. Ouch! Yikes! What? She replied, that's true, Lord, but even dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall beneath their master's table. Dear woman, Jesus said, your faith is great. Your request is granted. And her daughter was instantly healed. He performs the miracle that she so desperately needed. He gives her the grace, the provision for her, her family, this healing, this miracle. Because the woman says, yes. I, I, I know, you know, I'm, I'm, you're Jewish, I, I'm not. You have a calling to, to the Jewish people first, me second. But your seconds are enough. She says, yes. But even the pet dogs eat from that same table, and I'm here for mine. She says, with you, Jesus, I swim in an ocean of grace. There is acceptance. There is more. You don't run out, Jesus. I'm not here to to grab, to defend, to, to take. I'm here simply to receive from the overflow. She says, I know that your leftovers are plenty because it's not about me. It's about you. And I'm not going to pretend to be somebody. I'm not. I'm not going to pretend to be Jewish. But I'm not going to pretend you're someone you're not either. You are Jesus. And you have plenty. You have more. You have provision. And you have grace. Tim Keller says that this is a uh, rightful-less assertion. It's assertion, a a claim without uh, saying that you deserve it or you're right or um, you, you deserve it. It's based on God's goodness. And God's grace. This woman is the opposite of Cain. She has a a growth mentality. She has a forwards mentality. She isn't worried about her image. She has like a zero negative identity triggers. She does not have an image of herself to promote. No, No shiny self to maintain or defend. She saw God as generous not withholding. She saw God as having abundance that she could receive, not little that she had to pry from his grip. You know, if you ask anyone about taking offense and what to do, they will, they will give you the advice as to, you know, look at it from the other person's point of view. Look at this episode from the other person's point of view. I would suggest this morning as we end to look at it from God's point of view. We do swim in an ocean of grace. God is not holding out on us. We do not have to promote ourselves. We do not have to protect ourselves. Let's commit this morning to receiving God's real love for our real self instead of taking offense to to slights against our shiny selves. Friends, this morning, let's be like this woman and say, you're Jesus. I'm me. You have plenty for me. In this world, I am a receiver. I'm going to receive grace from you, not take offense from others. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you. Um, Even in the ups and downs of, of relationships and life, that we can depend on your goodness. We do say this morning that you have plenty for us. 
that you are a God of abundance. You are not holding out on us, but that you have grace and love and provision and goodness and healing and power to cover every situation, every circumstance. And Jesus, this morning we commit to not trying to promote ourselves or or protect images or ideas about ourselves, Jesus. But we want to let those things go and receive fully your grace and your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm -hmm.